You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, welcome into the program on this April 10th, just gorgeous spring afternoon in the state of Alabama. Hello to all. I hope you had a wonderful Easter weekend. I know I sure did. I got to spend time with all of my family, um, Karen's family, my family, all except my sweet daughter who lives in Tyler, Jennifer. So happy Easter to you. Lars Anderson, Kristen Miller, the gang is here. Lars, how are you? Did you spend yesterday as I did? Watching the Masters from my three different locations. <laughs> but um, it was a great Masters, but it had some crazy elements. First of all, the weather, uh, as intrusive as I've ever seen at the Masters and, and close to, you know, being uh, maybe in all the tournaments I've watched. It was just crazy, particularly on Saturday. Tiger had to withdraw. Of course, I've, I've buried the lead here, Lars. This uh, comes from your profession. John Rahm. Uh, he's the best golfer in the world right now. Yeah, no question. Uh, Rom, you know, hey, was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, every, my, my dog doesn't bark for, uh, three hours, right? And then right when I start talking, uh, Charlotte goes off. Um, yeah, at, at one point, Rom was down four shots and Kepka had a four shot lead. Uh, looked like he was just going to run away with uh with the thing um starting with his third round that began or the middle of his third round that began on Sunday and then you know after the third round Rom was able to cut it to two and then Rom just uh was was steady you know uh just hitting all the big shots when he needed to and Kepka seemed rattled, and I know we're going to get into this, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with the group in front of him and the horrific pace of play by a golfer with the last name of Cantillay, Patrick Cantillay. Um, he, it's Patrick Amadillay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, you know how golf is uh, is, uh, is completely disjointed. Everybody's taken aside. Well, you know what? Patrick Cantlay unified golf this weekend because everybody hates Patrick Cantlay for his, again, just um, unwarranted, horrific, uh, just uh, uh, just terrible pace of play, and he played nearly a five-hour round. And uh, so, guess what that meant for Rom? <laughs> and again, Kepka, five-hour yeah, round. We'll get into that, but. I want to go back to the the enduring image of Saturday, and that was late in the round uh, before play was suspended. Rain is just coming down sideways, and Tiger is limping to his golf bag, and he's limping so bad that it looks like he can barely walk. And it was just so sad 
because it encapsulated the image of a broken down athlete like no other image I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I have a feeling that this could be the last we see of Tiger, really. I at, hope not. At, at a major. Um, you know, even though he made the cut, I believe he was the last player to make the cut, there was just no way he could keep going. And so he had to withdraw on uh, after Saturday uh, due to his leg. And, um, you know, the conditions just couldn't have been worse for him because it, it's so slippery, right? He's obviously he's scared of, of falling. And, um, you know, all of us who've had a bad wheel before know that just uh, walking on wet grass at a, that is pitched, right, uh, is, is sort of dangerous <laughs> uh you don't want to be slipping and falling and there were there were actually uh, several caddies who fell uh during the uh during the the round on saturday and again um i just uh it, it was hard to watch it was hard to watch it was sad and uh it it feels like the end the end is is usually never pretty to watch uh of an elite athlete but um, I, I fear that that's what we got on Saturday, Matt. You know, what was really, really interesting is the kind of the way the Tiger made the cut because his best friend, Justin Thomas, bogeyed 18. That moved Tiger up, and he was able to make the cut. So, obviously, JT didn't do that on purpose, but uh, how ironic is that since the two are, are probably best friends on tour? Christian, I wanted to get your reaction to the Masters and – uh were you able to slosh through the rain? I know you went over Saturday. Kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of was, uh, you know, flipping back and forth, but, um, I, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I was, uh, just impressed that I think, uh, Matt, did you, did you pick John Rom? Was that you? I know Brando yeah, might have. I, I did. No, and, and, and he said he liked Rom a lot too, but, uh, guys, this is kind of like picking the Yankees to win a hundred games. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> They're, they're going to, but I mean, I'll take credit certainly, um, uh, for predicting it, but I was not alone. Um, man, he's fun to watch and golly, so steady. And then when he got to the back nine, he knew he had his foot on Brooks Kepka's neck and he just, you know, he just pounded it. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, He's, man, he's such a big dude. And you, you can see that, that Brooks, once he just got off, he, he was mishitting tee shots. Uh, he was, he was missing putts that he normally would hit. And, uh, it just seemed like he was aggravated. And I just can't help but think about Patrick Cantlay, right? Yeah front of them and look you know what the rule of like of of us when we go play golf if you're playing good play fast if you're playing bad play faster (laughs) more annoying when the guy who sucks in your group hits the ball into the woods and will spend 45 minutes looking for the ball right and he never does 
But he's like, hey, I found three pro V1s. Well, good job. Let's just keep moving. And, um, and, and, and Cantley, watching him, you just, you can't help but feel annoyed because of how long he takes one on the putting green and two just to hit a simple iron in. And his playing partner, Victor Hovland, he got really, you can, you know, he got really upset. And you can tell because uh, he broke golf etiquette several times. Uh, there was one time that uh, that uh, Cantlay, he and his caddy were still in the uh, fairway walking up, and and Hovland was on the green. I think it was on 17, and he should have waited. Right? That's what golf right. etiquette says. And he was just like, screw it. And he just went ahead and hit. And there were other times when, when he would cancel, would just be meandering up the fairway behind him. And, uh, and, and Hovland would just be looking back like, are you kidding me? And he would just go ahead and hit. And, um, and it's funny, you know, there's a lot of different pictures on Twitter and, and one is of this really old couple, right? They look like they're in their nineties. And the caption reads, uh, they were newlyweds when Patrick Cantlay <laughs> teed off. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's funny, but you know, if you're playing behind that and you're having to wait up to 10 minutes on each tee box for this nonsense in front of you, it's gonna, I mean, it would annoy me, right? And, and, and I, and I know that these guys are professionals and they're supposed to wait and, and Brooks was asked about it afterward and he just said it was, you know, horrible and said how John Rahm, he used the restroom seven, dip, seven different times. Cause that's usually what pro golfers will do. They'll try to occupy themselves if they are stuck on the tee box and they have to wait. And, uh, and, and you can see when they're both waiting to hit on 16, the previous par three, or I'm sorry, the final par three, they both have their arms crossed and they are just shooting daggers at, <laughs> at Cantlay on the green. And, um, you know, th- those are two, you know, Rom and, and Kepka. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Rom and Kepka are literally the two biggest guys, I think, on tour, or two of the biggest guys on tour. And um, they were just fuming. I mean, their body language just showed that they were fuming. And I don't know. I never heard anybody on CBS say so if Cantlay was ever given a warning. He was. His time. He, he was not. So. He was not, and I don't understand why. Me either. Me either. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they were giving him a break because of the weather, but the weather yesterday was absolutely super. You and I were talking about this this morning. There was one particular time when Patrick Cantlay was in the middle of the fairway, and he was lining up his shot like he would a putt. And he just took an extraordinary, as as Kepka said, it was brutally slow. Uh, another word I heard mentioned was embarrassing. And... I don't know what the tour is going to do about it, but I'll tell you one thing. When they draw pairings this week and somebody gets Cantlay, well, I guess two will get Cantlay. They're not going to like it very much. I'll tell you what we can do. We'll take our first break of the show and then bring in Bob Barrett. Bob Barrett was the PGA pro at Shoal Creek in 84 when the first major came to Birmingham, Alabama. 
And uh, I got to know him then and have known him for a long time. He was at the Masters. He knows golf like nobody I know. So he's going to join us on the other side of the break. Um, also, the bottom of the hour, we will be joined by Josh Carey. Yes, that's um, Harry's grandson and Skip's son. He is the voice of the Trash Pandas in Huntsville who managed to lose a game 7-5 to five and no-hit the Cincinnati opponent. Just crazy. And the mixture's got to be in at one fifteen. so stay tuned to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa's high at 70. Clear and very cool tonight below 43. For tomorrow and Wednesday, the warming trend continues. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow 74, the high Wednesday at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Special guest is Bob Barrett, who uh, he's just like Mr. Golf uh, in the state of Alabama and the Florida Panhandle with Honors Golf. Uh, he's now involved with some courses down in Florida as well. I first met him as we talked about going on the break. I met him in 84 when he was the pro at Shoal Creek. And, uh, man, we got to host a major. Uh, one of the true events of my sportscasting career was to be out there literally for a week and and then some bob was gracious with his time back then and is now bob how you doing did you get through all that weather i did matt good 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 day hi to you uh yes a little little nicer weather today than it was uh friday saturday in augusta is there any way to describe it? I mean, it looked hard, it just looked messy on television. What was it like? That is probably the worst I've ever experienced over there. In that, in that, you know, it was it was wet. The temperature, the temperature on Thursday was ninety degrees. The temperature on Saturday was forty five degrees, with you know twelve to fifteen mile an hour winds and driving rain. Uh, so the chill factor was certainly in the 30s and just, I mean, just a miserable uh, day of golf. And, you know, there's, there's no question uh, I, I can see why Tiger uh, could not play on Sunday after him trying to tromp around out there Saturday. We've spent a little bit of time talking about pace of play and uh, specifically Patrick Cantlay. Why was he not assessed a warning for slow play? That's a good question. I I do not know. I mean, yesterday, I came back late Saturday night and watched it on television, like most everyone else. Yesterday, and uh, it was it was just it was painful to to see how slow the pace of play was. Now, at the end of the day, I think it took him four and a half hours uh, to to finish, but. But both John Rahm and Bruce, I mean, uh, Bruce Kepka are two of the faster players on the tours. And, uh, it, it, it made it seem even worse because they, they were the ones waiting on every shot. And, and, um, all I've heard is that Cantley was, was part of the problem, but I don't think there was much more than a, 
then uh, I think they had a hole behind, but then they they made up some some time. But uh, normally uh, that's not the case at Augusta that you have a slow pace of play. But uh, uh, evidently he did not get far enough back in his, in his play that they would they would penalize him. Now whether they gave him a warning and we just didn't get that word over television, I don't know. I, I'm, this is kind of a joke, but is it? Have you ever heard of a group asking to play through? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, uh, I say John Rahm and Kepka could have probably played a three-hour round of golf if they had had the room in front of them. They waste waste no time, which, which is great for the game. I wish everybody played at that pace. Were there any big uh, takeaways uh, or, or major surprises from your time at the Masters? No, not really. I think uh, you know there was there was certainly a lot of conversation about uh, about live. There was a lot of conversation about uh, you know changing the ball going you know going forward for the elite players, uh, and then there was certainly talk of. Uh, the new T on 13, which I think played out to be uh, outstanding. I think that's that's going to create a lot a lot more risk reward uh, in future tournaments. It, it maybe didn't get the full test this year because of the weather conditions, but but I think going going forward that's going to be a great addition to to making that hole and as as many people think that's the best hole in golf over there. Uh, to be uh, bring everybody back into playing playing it on a more even basis, even the long hitters and the short hitters will have a have a good opportunity. I think long term. For those that don't know, thirteen is a par five and a dog leg that these guys could cut, and they'd end up with uh, eight nine irons into a par five. But they moved it back thirty five yards, and and that did it did make a difference. It made the whole more interesting to me as a viewer. Um, what I wanted to pursue, though, was uh, to talk about Rom in, in detail. Uh, his game's flawless. Do, do you see anything that's he's not just a top number one in the world in? He is. He's, I mean, it is it's flawless, and it's been that way really for the last couple of years. And uh, is he has such a, a Terrific short game, and then he's one of the longest hitters on the tour. So uh, the combination of what he has is, is uh, I think he's going to be around for a while. I think he has a lot of uh, Debbie Ballesteros' game that was, uh, except he's he's more in control of his tee shots than Seve was. But Seve was one of the best short game players in the game, but he also was very long. But but his his long game was erratic where. Uh, John Rahm has got a very consistent long game and a great short game. Yeah, and uh, on the other end of the equation is is Tiger Woods. Um, after he shot a, a one under sixty nine to make the cut by two, um, he uh, was asked in his press conference if his right leg. Uh, was bothering him more than usual, and, and the and the reporter began the question on a scale of one to ten, and Robert uh, and Woods interrupted, said all of that, and then um, you know Woods shot a, a, a nine over seventy nine, 
and uh, you know he said he was sore. And then uh, later that day, uh, it, when the, as the conditions got worse, um, he ended up uh, withdrawing. But just uh, on, there was that image of him in the rain, and I don't know if you were able to see it or not. Just how he could barely make it over to his caddy and in the uh, and his bag, and it was almost like he had to lean on his bag to keep from falling. Do you get the sense that the end that this could have been the end for Tiger, or that the end is really uh, rapidly approaching? I I think this could be the end, um, but if it's not, I think it is rapidly approaching. I think he's he's come to the realization that to try to play seventy two holes of competitive golf and not uh, that his his body just isn't isn't letting him do that. And I think that uh, he he had hoped that you know reducing his schedule and just maybe playing the majors in another tournament or two. He, he could he could make it, but quite honestly, I mean, he's. I think in the last last two years, he's only played what six or seven tournaments, and he's made the cut but one time, and that was the Masters last or the last two years, I guess he made made the cut. So he, he seems to really be struggling more and more with it. So I, I I can't see him just being a ceremonial type player and going out there and playing and. Not being competitive, I just don't think that's Tiger's makeup. Bob, were you around where, where the the trees had fallen over? I saw uh, the clips online, and it looked like it was a pretty uh, serious situation. And if you were, you know, how how did that go over? And and, and uh, just kind of detail what happened with that. I had actually already left left the club, and and uh, and I saw it happen on on uh, on television, the replay of it. And uh, it's, it's it's just a miracle that somebody was not hurt because there was a number of people still out there and in that area. And uh, my my guess is some little microburst of, of a windstorm that came through and and uh, whether whether there was a, a little bit of a heads up because one of one of the pine trees broke off up at the top and I think that tree may have broken before the others had fallen and may have given people enough warning to get out of the way but uh like everything at augusta national i mean they 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 had it cleaned up and you'd never know it uh yesterday on sunday morning when people got out there bob one more we'll let you go but just talking about augusta um i know what it's like the first time i ever saw it and my jaw dropped and i just stood there in awe i know that's probably the way you were too but you still get that when when you walk up to the clubhouse I do. It's, uh, it's, it's quite, quite the place. And, you know, Mac, I, I mean, man, I started going out there as a kid at, at eight years old and, uh, I've missed one master since then when, when COVID did not allow anybody out there. So I've been to a, a lot of masters tournaments and it still, it still has the mystique and, uh, it's, uh, you, you can't describe it. You have to absolutely see it in person because the, People, people don't you can't take the the beauty of it in from television like it is in person. Plus, the topography of the golf course is is so much hillier than what people really see from television. 
Television tries to do it justice, uh, but until you, you stand right there and look at number 12, and it's just awesome beauty, you got to go. But uh, that's that's a problem in its own right because tickets are scared. Um, hey, yeah. Bob, tell everybody what you've been doing and man, where they can follow you if you got a Twitter feed or you just hanging out watching your golf courses. Well, I'm, you know, I'm keeping up with some of our golf courses, and then uh, I'm on the board of Prune Golf now, helping uh, helping grow that company and uh, just. Uh, Trying to trying to retire, but uh, hope to get back to playing golf. I have not played any golf really in the last twelve years due to my back problems, but uh, I've, I've had some surgeries of late, and my back is good. I just need to find some time and and play some ball, hit some golf balls. So, and you're you're quite I'm, good at it, Bob. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you joining us, and um, have a wonderful week following Easter. Okay, you guys too. Take care. Thank you. You bet. We need to dial him up more often. Bob just knows golf so well. Everything from course management to the play and to the players. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about the no-hitter that ended up in a 7-5 loss up in the Rocket City uh, this past weekend. It's an unbelievable story. We'll talk about that with Josh Carey on the other side of this break. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. They love it when I turn off the bass. Welcome back to Bitcoin and Sports. I'm Matt Coulter, along with New York Times best-selling author of 12 books, Lars Anderson, the two-time national champion at the University of Alabama linebacker Christian Miller. And joining us is uh, is a name that is uh, maybe the most famous in broadcasting history, baseball side anyway. Josh Carey joins us. His his grandfather was the one and only Harry, and the one and only father was uh, Skip Carey. So, man, you got it running through your genes. Uh, how are you? Things okay in Huntsville? I guess you – are you headed to Birmingham? Uh, yeah. Uh, first off, good to be on with you, Matt. Uh, we'll be headed there tomorrow uh, and kick off a six-game uh, series at Regents Field. So uh, we're just enjoying the off day and getting ready for tomorrow. Well – I don't think you could explain what happened because it would take the rest of the show. But can you briefly tell me how the Trash Pandas lost a 7-5 to game and still managed a no-hitter? Yeah, well, uh, we had, let's see, we started with two walks. Uh, then there was a pop-up. Then there was another walk. Um, that loaded the bases. And then uh, another walk after that. So that forced in a run. And then with uh, then there was a strikeout, so that was out number two. Uh, Rocket City had a chance to win the game. Uh, there was a routine fly ball hit into center field. Center fielder dropped it uh, for a three-run, two-base air. So that made it 4-3 Chattanooga. New pitcher came in, and the new pitcher walked, or pardon me, he hit three straight men. That forced in the uh, fifth run of the inning. And then um, I believe there was a wild pitch that brought in another run. 
And I think there was another, after this, it gets a little fuzzy because I sort of tuned out at this point. But, um, yeah, a seventh run came in and all told, that's how you do it. Uh, 7-3 was the score at the time. They made it 7-5, but, um, it was one of the most, uh, unbelievable things I've ever seen. And I don't know if there are any words. The one word I could just say is horrific, but I was so amazed by it. I wasn't even upset. So. I don't even know if that's the right word, but it was what it was, and it, it, it's one of those things that'll never happen again, at least not in our lifetimes, and I was a part of it. Yeah, um, I'm sure you're very much aware that uh, the box score went viral because <laughs> nobody could believe it uh, over Twitter and Facebook and, and all of social media. I'm wondering, you know, looking back at your grandfather's career, your father's career, if there's any game that is as wild as the one and as unpredictable and as unfathomable as the one that you witnessed. Uh, not to that extent. I mean, I've seen some pretty unbelievable things in minor league baseball. Uh, ironically, we had a game against Chattanooga last year that, Involved a rain delay, a tarp pull, players trying to help pull the tarp on the field, and then our guys wound up hitting a three-run walk-off homer. But no, nothing like this. Uh, we did some, uh, we did some number crunching and some history, some research, and we found that the only other time that there had been a seven runs scored without the benefit of the hit was a, a New York Penn League game back in the forties. Um, I know the Yankees lost the game to the White Sox in 1990. I think it was four to nothing, but nothing like that. And I think what made this one so incredible, guys, is the fact that all seven runs happened in one inning. You know, it's one thing to walk the bases loaded, then hit a batter in the third, and then maybe there's an error that forces in two more runs in the fifth. And, you know, you spread it out over the course of a game. All of this came crashing down in one inning. And, you can't explain it. You don't understand it. The guys who are pitching are are quality pitchers. You know, Ben Joyce, he's a fifth-round draft choice. He'll be in the majors one day. Eric Torres was the Angels' uh, reliever of the year uh, last season. He picked up 20 saves. Um, Jeremiah Jackson, the kid who dropped the ball, he's out of Mobile. Uh, he's He's got the chance to be a very good utility man. And a major leaguer himself, he's a second round pick. So these are not, these are not schlubs. These are good ball players who just didn't perform that day. Besides this, uh, wild game that occurred, how's the season been going for them? I heard you just mention Ben Joyce. Uh, I believe he played at Tennessee, right? I think I remember watching him there. Yeah, he played at Tennessee. Uh, Angels drafted him in the fifth round last season. Oh, yep, that's right. Yeah. Now he, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he, he, uh, throws some, some high heat. Really, really, uh, Really big arm on him. I think I remember watching him. But how's the season been going for the Trash Pandas besides this game? Uh, well, we're one and two. Uh, so, you know, we've just gotten underway. Uh, here, the funny thing about this whole series, guys, is with the exception of that seventh inning, really the pitching was great throughout the entire weekend. Uh, they lost an 11-inning game on Thursday. You know, then they came, and to the guy's credit, after that loss uh, in game one of the doubleheader, they bounced right back and won a 3 nothing game in game two and only allowed one hit. So, really, uh, the pitching has been fantastic. The hitting's a little behind, but uh, I think it's a very young team. I think they'll catch up. And uh, we'll just see how things are, how uh, things unfold. It's only a three-game season right now. Uh, I would be 
Uh, remiss if I didn't ask you about your family before we close things up, Josh. I just, what was it like at Thanksgiving dinner with you, your dad, and your granddad? And obviously they had great influence on what you ended up doing. You're the director of broadcasting for the Huntsville Trash Band. Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as, uh, amazing as you might think it is. Uh, my grandfather was such a larger than life figure. You never really got to know him on a personal level. Um, I think later in life, he really tried to connect with his grandchildren. But, you know, when you hung around him, he had bodyguards and he had people constantly wanting autographs and, man, pictures and, uh, wanting to talk about the Cubs that, you know, it wasn't like the typical grandfather-grandson relationship, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way either. It just was what it was. And I think we all understood uh, kind of what he meant to our family and what he meant to baseball. And we all sort of understood that. Uh, really, the only time we would see him outside of baseball season would be around Christmas. And by that time, the entire family would be there. Uh, Harry had five grandchildren. And so, uh, or pardon me, he had five children. And then, of course, all the grandchildren from that. And so, really, the the Christmas time became a very crowded affair. Um, you know, growing up, I, I think I learned more from my dad than anyone else, and uh, he he was a great mentor to me. And uh, I think a lot of my style comes from him. But uh, you know, I was very blessed. I got to grow up around those great Braves teams of the '90s, and uh, got to see some really cool things happen. And just being around that, and being around him, and being around the game. I think that's what sort of pushed me into uh, this uh, this line of work, and I'm very blessed for it. I got to I got to experience some really neat things. Josh, I, I teach uh, sports journalism at Alabama, and I have uh, several students um, who really want to become play-by-play announcers. What advice would you offer them, and what what sort of one or two secrets have you learned over the years that are the keys to success? Uh, first off, don't. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck either. But it's just it's a, such a tough career path. Uh, a lot of people. The best way I can describe it, it's like trying to be a musician in Nashville or an actor in Hollywood, right? I mean, you've got a you got so many people who want to do the exact same thing you are, and the supply doesn't equal the demand. All right. I mean, there's only one Jim Nance, one Joe Buck, one Mike Tirico. And there's a thousand Josh Carries out there. Um, and so making a bona fide living at this is really, really hard. Um, and you can tell, ask Chris Stewart about that. You can ask Roger Hoover that. Um, you can ask Eli Gold about that. They would all tell you the same thing. It is a hard way to live, but it's also a fun way to live. And if you're able to get in, uh, you're blessed. That said, if that's what you really want to pursue, you got to go after it full bore. I mean, you really can't mess around in do something else. I mean, if you want to get into stream, whatever, you got to be 100% committed to it. And, you know, you might have to get a part-time job on the side to supplement your income, especially early in your career. But uh, when you're getting into it, you got to be fully committed. You can't just have sort of a toe in the water and "Ah, I sort of like this. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. No, you got to be fully invested in it. And then number two, you got to catch a lot of breaks. Uh, you got to hope that the right ears hear you at the right time. And then in addition to all of that, you have to hope that there's a job open at that right time as well. So uh, I wish I could, I, I wish I were a little more optimistic about that, but I think you guys know where I'm coming from when I say all this. 
it's a hard, hard path. It's fun. You'll get to be a part of some really cool things if you can make it. But the climb is very difficult. And I'm still climbing, so I, I have first firsthand experience with it. No, excellent you, advice. I appreciate you, that. I will yeah. pass it along. You you described it perfectly. I've been there and done that. You gotta be willing to take some um mediocre bus buses on very long trips. Catch sleep when you can. But you're a pro, man. Thank you for joining us. Let's do this again and just get into baseball for a while and not a the craziest no hitter in history. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a plan, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, See you Josh. in Birmingham. Thank you. Have Really good guy. Can you imagine? Harry Carey is your granddad and Skip Carey is your dad. Pretty cool stuff right there. Um, Alabama basketball took another hit with another coach. What does it mean for the Crimson Tide? We'll talk about that next on Big Men Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressive pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamane. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamane dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa's high at 70. Clear and very cool tonight below 43. For tomorrow and Wednesday, the warming trend continues. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 74. The high Wednesday at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Coming up, Coming up on the game with Ryan Fowler. Recapping Alabama's first scrimmage with Martin Houston, Barrett Salee, and your phone calls. Nick Saban audio all starting at 2 o'clock here on the game on Tide 100.9. The home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Longest running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Big news sports, Matt Lars Christian, Joe Gates at the helm once again. Again, uh, reiterating, I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Easter weekend. I know I did. Um, I read, though, I think on Saturday, as I was watching it rain in Augusta from my couch, that Antoine Petway, who's he's an Alabama favorite in basketball, he walked on, he was tough, gritty, great player, played for four years. Good man. I imagine Christian may run across this guy, so he can probably address this first. But he's the third Alabama coach to leave Oates' staff as Charlie Henry went to Georgia Southern and Brian Hogson went to Arkansas State. Petway is headed to Kennesaw State. Christian, did you know this guy just hanging around the athletic department? What's it like when you when you lose your coach like that? He was a great recruiter. That's where Alabama's really going to miss him. Yeah, I mean, I might have seen him uh, here and there. I, I don't know him personally at all, but, um, you know, from what I've heard, you know, he's a great coach, but an even better uh, guy, uh, someone that the players definitely could, you know, relate to. Um, you know, he was a player himself. Um, but but I, I said this last weekend, uh, it, it's just a part of, of having a winning program. We see it with a football program, you know, year in and year out, you know, you lose coaches um, as they go on to be promoted and, and other opportunities present themselves um, for their time and efforts. Um, within a, su- a successful program. And uh, so it's to be expected. And uh, I think Nate Oates will do a good job replacing these guys. It's definitely not going to be easy because um, he's been with a lot of these guys for quite some time. But, um, again, it's kind of just uh, the way things are when you have success as part of it. So um, you have no choice but to adapt and, and to go out there and try to find the best uh, replacements or alternates that you can um, that fit within your program, that uh, you know have the same beliefs as you. Um, and that can, you know, help develop and, and get these guys because, you know, Coach Oates is going to get the guys. The, he's going to get the, the, the good recruits, the good players. You got to have uh, coaches, though, um, in turn, develop these guys. So that's the most critical thing. They got to be able to go recruit and then develop. And so I think that's the biggest task at hand for these new coaches. Um, can they um, pick up where these guys left off in terms of recruiting? But can they also develop them once they get on campus? Also, guys, we didn't get a chance to uh, discuss this, but uh, Mark Sears also declared for the NBA draft, Alabama's fourth player to declare. But like uh, Noah Clowney and Charles Bediaco, 
he is maintaining his college eligibility and could return to Tuscaloosa. And Christian, as, as you mentioned, there, there's really like, you know, no harm in doing this. Um, Sears, he, he, he uh, started all 37 games for Alabama, averaged 12 and a half points, two and a six uh, assists. Um, he had played all of his career at point guard, right, at Ohio. And he was first team all Mac at that position. And then he really played more of a, of the off guard at Alabama and in Sears, he, he projects to a point guard in the NBA. And so, um, he just wants to get feedback. And he, you know, he said this, he told ESPN this, I, I just want to get feedback on how NFL or an NBA team see me as a prospect. Um, so, um, just back to you, Christian, is, what does your gut tell you? Do, you? do you think we'll see Sears back? I mean, obviously it's going to depend on what he hears from the NBA. I wouldn't imagine that he would be a projected first round pick, but, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Mark Sears? Yeah, you know, I, if I had to guess, I think he'll end up being back. Um, kind of like what we were saying, uh, you really have nothing to lose here. Um, it's just one of those things where, um, you might as well test the waters and if you get good news, you can proceed, you know, end of the draft and, uh, go on from there. Go ahead and go pro. If not, you can return, um, to your school and play another year. Um, with NIL, you really have nothing, uh, to lose, uh, because again, you really are almost better off staying in school in, in some circumstances. We definitely see that with the women's side of basketball because, um, we've even heard Angel Reese say flat out she's making more money than you know some of the highest paid women uh basketball players in the WNBA so um I, I think it's expected um especially in basketball the difference with football is you know you can't number one you can't do that you can't you know just you know enter the draft and come back to school from my understanding and uh two typically how it works is um coach Saban will normally meet with the the underclassmen whether you're a redshirt sophomore or a junior um, if, if, if you're a guy, um, who's, you know, obviously been successful and there's a chance that you might be interested in entering the draft, typically he can go ahead and get, um, a consensus on, you know, your grade. Um, I don't know the exact process, how he goes about that, um, or who he speaks to, um, in specific, but, uh, I, I know that he'll meet with underclassmen. He'll kind of tell them, you know, this is kind of where scouts see you, or this is kind of your grade that the, you know, a lot of the NFL scouts have you at. And then he lets, you know, number one, you discuss it with him, but then two, you go discuss it with your family and whoever else you feel the need to discuss it with. So football, you kind of need to make that decision before you enter uh, any type of draft. But I think with basketball, I think we're just going to keep seeing this, especially the more success they have, you know, the opportunities are going to present themselves for the players, just like the coaches. And uh, you might as well test the waters because worst case scenario, just come right back. Tell you what, guys, we're going to really find out uh, what Oates is made of, so to speak. He's just, he's not like he's rebuilding the team. It's like he's starting all over. He is. Three scholarship players, and what Sears just declared. So, good grief. Um, now people know what it's like to be Coach Saban. Coach, <laughs> Coach Saban, yeah. I know it's football, but it, I think Coach Oates will, will really respect 
um, how difficult it is to have to replace your entire, you know, coaching staff and, and really more than that. I mean, you got to think in Alabama's, uh, no, you know, it's not just coaches. I mean, we have, uh, GAs leaving year in and year out. Uh, uh, what are they called? The analysts, guys in analyst roles that leave. I mean, Coach Saban is doing this year in and year out. So, um, if Coach Oates is going to have a, a top tier program like Alabama football, you're right. He's going to have to get used to it. At least Coach Oates has a uh, good person to go to to ask yeah. for advice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He, he's been there and done that and gotten about, I don't know, 50 T-shirts. How many? I don't, I don't even think I could guess how many coaches and uh, consultants and analysts uh, he's hired and seen walk away over the past few years. Guys, uh, we talk about it often on this show about the transfer portal. But there's a statistic out today that blew my mind, and Charles Barkley is right. Travesty. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here. Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with. Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education. And excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, Redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Not washing your hands after using the bathroom can increase the spread of hepatitis A. Washing your hands with soap and water, as well as getting vaccinated, is the best way to protect yourself if you are at risk of getting hepatitis A. One dose of the hepatitis A vaccine provides long-lasting protection in up to 95% of those who receive it. For more information on the hepatitis A outbreak in our state, visit alabamapublichealth.gov forward slash IMM. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Public Health, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of r 
Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to r and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Coming up, Coming up on the game with Ryan Fowler. Recapping Alabama's first scrimmage with Martin Houston, Barrett Salee, and your phone calls. Nick Saban audio all starting at 2 o'clock here on the game on Tide 100.9. The home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Longest running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Quick look at the headlines as we enter hour number two here on Big Noon Sports. John Rahm is the match champion. By the way, what a round by Phil Mickelson. That's for Matty. He carded a 65. He still got game. Auburn had their A day over the weekend. There's no way to judge the quarterbacks. They only threw 12 passes. Um, we mentioned Antoine Petway is headed to Kennesaw State, the former Alabama player and coach. This one blew my doors off. I had to read it twice. The, uh, by the way, th- did you guys know that there's now a website that's just called portal.com that's just exclusively about who's in and out of the portal, which is crazy. This number, however, is ridiculous. 20%, you say that again, 20% of players on the rosters from this previous season are now in the portal. That is 2.7 basketball players per team. Guys, we got to do something about this portal now. Yeah, it's, uh, definitely seems like it's kind of a little out of hand, but, uh, I, yeah. I just don't really know how. I mean, they they implemented the new rules. I don't know when those go in a, into effect. Do, do either of y'all remember that about the the the, the one time transfer? I mean, I, I think that will help if that's not already helping. Um, but unfortunately, as of now, I think it's just something we're going to have to get used to. Yeah, uh, that's why they're all doing it now. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to use up their one time uh, one time transfer. That's what it seems like. Yeah. It, okay. So uh, it, it is sort of hard to uh, <laughs> just keep up with everything. But um, okay. So the transfer portal that launched back in 2018, and then uh, it became even more uh, prevalent uh, when in 20 of 21. The NCA eliminated that that transferred transferred had to sit out a year, right? So the rule granted them a one time waiver to transfer without penalty and immediate eligibility. And so uh, that new rule, right, that went in effect April twenty twenty one. There's uh, it's been you know viewed as an opportunity. 
And so far, um, there's really uh, the, the, the Division One. Okay, so the Division One Council in August, last August, they approved new transfer window dates, and we, we've discussed those. Um, and so, as of right now, as far as I can tell, Christian. You can get in the transfer portal as many times as you want with no penalty. I, I could be wrong on that, um, but I think that is how it works, and that's why you're seeing guys just uh, hopscotching from school to school because if the if the condition if the conditions and the coach aren't just perfect and they're not getting exactly what they need or what they perceive to be fair, they can just get get back in and go. And and, and or it, this may have to do with having a, you're earning your degree already, but um it, it just it, it's out of control. And uh it, and there's going to have to be someone, some legislative body or somebody with authority to step in to put some limits on this i mean i would think you guys would agree with that um because it's simply it's college football free agency i mean that's all it is yeah and and that rule um from what i'm reading and it's from sports illustrated um it was at the the ncaa division one council approved legislation to limit waivers for second time transfers um and now this is for only undergraduates um who transfer for a second time or any time after that they must meet specific guidelines in order to be eligible for immediate playtime starting with the 23-24 season or they risk missing a year. Um, so that, that I think once that is officially in effect, I think then we will see, um, you know, a little more hesitancy about guys going in and out of the portal because, again, they can't just bounce around unless they, um, you know, they're, they're a graduate student. Um, but... Uh, you know, again, sometimes it works out for guys, others it, it doesn't. I just wish, um, guys would be able to kind of just, you know, hunker down, see it through, and, and really just try to grind it out. Now, we've talked about different scenarios where it seems to make a little more sense. Um, guys kind of just need a, a fresh start, or they put their time in four years and, and they're a little buried under the depth chart. They've competed the best that they can opportunities, you know, await elsewhere, and it, that, that, that makes the most sense. But I think, now it's just, it's just guys are just looking for this instant gratification and, and they want things to come now and they don't necessarily understand that um, the best things in life usually take time to develop and uh, they come after a lot of trials and tribulations and, and that was one thing that I took pride on at least in, in my career that um, you know I, I battled you know working my way up the depth chart I battled um, injuries you know I, I finally earned my starting job in the first game I, I was playing I, I got hurt and missed 10 games but I you know I still stuck it out um, and for that I'm always going to be forever proud of myself and, and grateful um, because um, the, you know the success I had by doing that so I, I wish guys would kind of have more of that mindset I get it you know if the opportunity is there you might as well just take it but at the same time I, I wish guys would stick it out a little bit more because um, there's a lot of good things on the other side of, of you battling through adversity. Christian, I know you're not big into hypotheticals. We reporters are huge into hypotheticals. We love them. <laughs> you live off of it. <laughs> but let, let me let, let me let me just throw one at you. Right. Let's say things didn't go as you had hoped at Alabama 
and you were buried at say three on the depth chart, even when you were healthy and you just weren't seeing a lot of playing time. And then a friend of a friend tells the pastor of pain, your dad, that uh, North <laughs> Carolina or South Carolina, they just they want you to come home and they're, they're going to start you. Uh, you're, you're a day one starter. Mm-hmm. Would, would that get your attention? Uh, I mean, it depends. If you're saying I've I've been in the program and I'm still buried. Here's the thing. I mean, Lars, I'll be honest. I mean, I was buried on the depth chart for several years. I mean, I, but I knew that going into it, like when I got here. I knew I was going to have to redshirt. I mean, I was like 210 pounds soaking wet. And back then, you know, our, our Jack linebackers, you know, were averaging probably about, you know, 265, 270. I mean, we had Denzel Duvall, Xavier Dixon. Those were two seniors. Had the position both 265 plus. Then you had a guy, Dylan Lee, who was not as big. He still was about pushing 250, but again, another senior. So I knew I was going to, you know, have to sit. Because um, then after that, you had Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, then me and Rashawn, right? So at that time, technically, <laughs> me and Rashawn were technically like third or fourth string, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I knew I was going to have to wait and develop. But anyway, with all that being said, um, it, it definitely would catch my attention. If you're saying I'm going on year three and I'm still third team, then maybe I would look to transfer. Because, again, I think after three years, you've you've competed to the best of your ability. At least that that's how I look at it. And yeah. if you're still on the third team, um, maybe you are better fit somewhere else. Maybe you, you'll be more utilized elsewhere. I think that's fine. So, but again, that would be the one time transfer rule for, in my opinion, I would say, all right, I'm going to use it now. I've been here three years. I put in my time. I put in my efforts. Things just aren't working out. Maybe I'm not the best fit. I'm going to transfer. But then after that, I'm going to see that second one through just because I'm like, if I go to another place and it's still not working out, then maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> you see yeah. what I'm saying? Like at some point yeah. you got to take accountability and say, well, all right, I've gone to two or three different destinations and I'm still not having success. Maybe I need to take a long look in the mirror and, and be real with myself that maybe yeah. I'm not doing something right. That's, hey, that's my there's take a lot that. of facets, facets in life where you change location and you, you change all sorts of different variables in your life, but you're not getting a different outcome. Yep. You need to look in the mirror and realize, okay, maybe it's just me. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm the issue. 100%. No, and I think that's what a lot of these guys need to do because, again, if you're going on two, three different colleges, I mean, at some point you have to just say, like, look, and I'm not saying you should be down on yourself, like, oh, well, maybe I'm not a good football player, but – Maybe you're not doing something right. Maybe I mean maybe you need to spend more time in the weight room. Maybe you need to to learn the game better, right? Like whatever you feel like you could to work on to to better yourself and, and become a more impactful player. Maybe that's something you need to do instead of just trying to jump in the portal and try to look for the the easiest opening. And just uh, finally, uh, Matt. I mean, just look at how the transfer portal has changed recent college football history. I mean. Caleb Williams, Jalen Hurts, um, Joe Burrow—you know—a lot of the, the absolute best college players, specifically at the quarterback position, have had have had to use that transfer portal to get into a position where um, they really could succeed and and become. I mean, Baker Mayfield—he he transferred before there wasn't a transfer portal, but. 
Um, well, you know, well, Lars, I think have, I think the, the the biggest thing that you just said was quarterback. So I will yeah. say quarterback. Now, there's only one quarterback, right? So I think that's a lot more prevalent because again, you only got one guy for the job, and if you don't if you don't win the job, then you're not really playing, right? Like, see, at least as a defender nowadays, I mean, we rotate, especially defensive line. I mean, we rotate at least to the two deep, and then you even see the threes getting in there just to get fresh legs sometimes in certain situations. You know, receivers rotate heavily. Offensive linemen don't necessarily rotate as much. DBs not so much, but still, you mean you still got special teams that you can play on, at least contribute in some way or fashion. But quarterbacks, though, that not I, I understand now if if you know what I mean. The quarterback position makes a little more sense about guys transferring for better opportunities. And I think we're about to see one at Auburn. Uh, you guys want to put an over and under on number of days before TJ Finley enters the transfer portal? Um, <laughs> I yeah. think it's in his best interest, though. He he can play. He's a fit somewhere. Hey, when we get back, we're going to be entertained by the one and only Mick Gillespie. Uh, he's going to join us, and we'll talk Alabama football, basketball, Major League Baseball. And here's a note. The pitch camp has caused a major beer sales change. <laughs> you can figure this one out when we get back. Big news for the best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high at 70. Clear and very cool tonight below 43. For tomorrow and Wednesday, the warming trend continues. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 74. The high Wednesday at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. I didn't think I would care for, but so far, so good. I still kind of have my issues with the shift, but because of the pace of the game, because of the pitch count, which I really think is more of a hitter's count, but whatever, um, in Milwaukee, home of, guess, yes, the Brewers, beers, okay? They have extended beer sales until the end of the eighth inning because the games are going by so fast. They're going to allow yeah. them to keep drinking beer. That's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, look, we, we started that last year in the minor leagues. Uh, Did because, you? Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what would happen is it didn't – at the beginning of the season, the pace of the games had changed so much that uh, they were getting finished. Uh, you know, you get to the seventh inning, and, and you know, sometimes you, know, you hadn't been there an hour and changed, you know. And so it was like, well, to – accommodate your fans better um the smokies the tennessee smokies uh the team that i work with them they uh they're like hey you know let's let's move this thing back to the eighth inning and then a lot of teams followed i always thought there was a rule that you couldn't do it and uh there wasn't it was just kind of just a courtesy thing um really a safety thing you know 
But yeah. it has, uh, you know, but this, this pitch clock really does change the game. I, I'm a fan of the pitch clock. I, I like the, the idea of these games moving faster. And, um, you know what? I mean, if it, if it gives you a chance to get that, that last beer in, uh, after the seventh inning, you know, hey, and you know what? Good for you. Mick, uh, wanted to ask you about John Rom and if you believe in the powers of like numerology, all right? He wins the golf tournament on 4-9, April 9th. Seve Ballesteros is native, uh, Spaniard, native, uh, uh, golfer from Spain, his hero, the sort of father of Spanish golf. He was born on 4-9. Rom's caddy's bib was 49. And then Rom, he gave, uh, he quoted Seve when he four putted on the very first hole of the <laughs> Masters. And it's one of the most famous quotes of all time when Seve said, I miss, I miss, I miss, I make. <laughs> uh, just your thoughts on John Rom. Yeah, look, uh, first off, I enjoyed the Masters. I, I w- ended up watching a lot of the Masters, and uh, I thought that it was great. I, I was I, Honestly, I was pulling for Phil Mickelson. I know he's kind of the Dale Earnhardt of golf now. You know, he's the bad guy. But I I, I was uh, watching, and I thought, man, he might sneak in here and steal this. But Rom, you know what, though? Rom never even made it interesting because he just did what – a great golfer does and he just kept putting himself in very manageable positions and he would make them and i'm watching and i'm thinking you know you got all these really clean cut looking guys and then you got this guy that looks like rip from uh yellowstone out there and i like the guy from the that looks like rip from yellowstone gonna <laughs> turn of it so i didn't have a problem with that i thought it was really cool i i liked it um it's it, you know, so much of this, you get into the Masters and, and, and you know, and Tiger was uh, such a big deal and we we enjoyed watching him for so long. And, I look, I was right there with everyone else. I I loved it. And I always wondered, like, what's the sport going to look like, you know, when, when Tiger's gone? And he's not gone. I mean, he's still there. Uh, obviously, he had the injury this time. Um, but, you know what, it's, it's in great hands, you know, and, it, and I thought it was cool kind of just thinking about here's Mickelson kind of an older dude and he's battling it out with uh you know Kafka and all these other guys Scheffler you know and uh you know obviously Rom who won it and uh I don't know that there's a lot of sport where your age you, you know what I'm saying you could be an older guy and really compete and then and secondly I, I liked Rom I just I just thought like I it, it all I had to do with is that I like Yellowstone I <laughs> just like the fact that he kind of had a he's got the beard and all that stuff. I like. Might have lost him for a second. I believe we have <laughs> lost him. Oh, there, no, he is. there he is. Yeah, I'm, I didn't get hit by the tree that fell at the Masters. So you <laughs> oh, see that. Wow, it was big enough. It, it could have made it to Fairhope. <laughs> yeah. uh. See, you know, the other story about this place, though, I, and I got to bring this up. Um, our friend Mike Johnson went to the practice round, and he said he spent $1,500 at the gift shop. You know, and I'm going, I mean, I've been to a lot of gift shops. And I, I, I know, look, this gift shop's different. You go in, 
they actually have you, you. I guess you rent a locker for your stuff after you buy it, you know, and yeah. all that. <laughs> like you know, carry it around. But fifteen hundred bucks at the gift shop, and they're kind of famous because you know for being able to go there. They they haven't really raised their prices a whole lot, like twenty dollars. Uh, I was watching um, uh, Scott Van Pelt and and guy on his show twenty bucks got uh, you know a pile of food and moon pies and all this other stuff you know so fifteen hundred bucks I mean that's a lot of swag to walk out of there with but I I I I'll be honest man I'm already trying to figure out how I can go next year uh, and Me this too. is the first time I've really had the fever but I, I want to go uh, hey uh, as someone who's been through the gift shop. The gift shop is totally different than yes, obviously, is. you know, the pimento cheese sandwich for a dollar. If you can get out of the gift shop with just like fifteen hundred, that that's actually not bad. And I say this as someone who's not like you know swimming in money, like because you figure you can get all your Christmas shopping done, <laughs> like you can get right. everything done right then yeah. and there. And it's the only place in the world where you can get the authentic logo and it, when you're caught up in the moment like you, that logo means everything to you right <laughs> <laughs> when you're caught up in the moment let me ask you guys this question okay if you go to the gift shop what are you going at, what are you coming out of there with i, I want a hat i want a flag and i want a polo yeah, I got I got like three pullovers. One one yeah. for me, and then one for my brother and my stepfather. And I mean, right there, that's about three hundred bucks. Um, <laughs> so I I think I got a dog bowl, uh, a bowl like I'm, I'm <laughs> get up, uh, for my puppy. Um, yeah, I mean, I just got all sorts of stuff. I I, I was not thinking clearly, but. Um, just a, a follow up real quick, uh, on the Masters. What was your thoughts on pace of play and can't play? And, and I mentioned earlier in the show, right? For us duffers, the general rule is if you're playing well, play faster. If you suck, play even faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> Get off the course. Yeah. <laughs> what, what your, your thoughts on Cantlay? I mean, he, he just drove me crazy, and he did the one thing that I thought impossible, and that was unite the entire golf world against him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what, man? I, I I was looking at all that stuff, and I just thought, you know, it's funny when someone really rubs everyone the wrong way like that, you know? I, I was <laughs> honestly, man, the thing about this tournament to me that was funny. That I, that I kept thinking about was so they had the bad weather and then they had to come out and play that a lot of people had to finish the third round and they're wearing like jackets and sock, you know, stocking hats and stuff like that. And I'm thinking like, if you were the guy who's been practicing in the cold, because like when I think of golf, I'm not thinking of like thick jacket and sock hat, you know, like I'm just not, that's just not what I'm thinking. I'm like, you know, you're probably like, hey, man, I'm going to wait until it warms up a little bit, you know. But you, but when you get to these tournaments, you know, that are this important, I mean, you got to be able to play in all conditions. And I'm, and I'm watching that. I mean, that would have slowed me down, the the weather, definitely. Um, but look, it, I think it makes the sport better when you have a bad guy. Mick, remind me who your uh, NFL team is. 
I am, and I have been a long, for a long time, a Baltimore Raven. That's what I thought. So I want to switch to football real quick. I'm sure you're aware, but they signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year deal worth up to $18 million. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that uh, that's starting to trend in the right direction to maybe uh, keeping Lamar Jackson? Yeah, look, I, look, I've been a Ravens fan for a long time, and one of the problems I always have with the Ravens is that they don't have a go-to wide receiver. The last time they won the Super Bowl, if you remember, they went out and signed Anquan Bolden, and he turned out to be the difference maker on that team that made the run and, and, and won. You know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed the last game. Joe Flacco was the quarterback. And and I kept saying, like, you got to give this guy somebody to throw the football to. You know, the last few years, I know they've dealt with some injuries, and I know that their offense is a little different than a lot of NFL offenses where, you know, you you, may, you play with more tight ends. It, it's almost – it kind of reminds me of, like, some of those high school offenses that teams play with, uh, you know, back – at least they used to back in the day where, you know, they have all the misdirection the wing tees and stuff like that. But it's like a passing version of that almost, the tight ends and stuff. But you still got to have a great wide receiver to throw to uh, for, for, for um, uh, you know, your quarterback. And, and I, I think that going out and signing him is a great sign for Jackson because I don't think anybody's paying Jackson what he thinks he's worth and what he wants to make. And so for him to get that money, he's going to have to come back on the franchise tag and really have a killer year. And the best way to do that is have some guys to throw to. And they, they have up, they've definitely uh, upgraded the wide receiver room. But you know what? Bringing in Odell Beckham, I mean, he was part of the Rams championship last time out. He's always been a really great receiver, and uh, I'm excited. I think it's a good move for Baltimore. Yeah, if I could add really quick, Mick, I don't think he signs that contract unless he knows Lamar Jackson is going to be playing for the Ravens. Uh, and I know uh, according to TMZ, they were partying together last night in Miami. Um, it, it seems to me just a matter of time now until Baltimore gets the deal done. I But $15 million guaranteed for a wide receiver uh, of his age coming off his second ACL and hasn't had a thousand yard receiving year since like 2016. Boy, that, that sounds like a very unravens like type of signing. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a roll of the dice. But you know what? I mean, there wasn't a whole lot out there on the market. So if you're going to win, you know, do what you got to do. There were a lot of teams that were, were wanting him. You know, who uh, would be fun to ask is Ozzie Newsome. <laughs> yeah, it would. It doesn't sound like something he would do. Um, anyway, when we get back, let's talk quarterback spring practice at the University of Alabama. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Back 
Welcome, Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, along with Lars and Christian, and our guest is Mick Gillespie. Mick, are you hearing much? I'm not. I'll say that. You may have better ears than Tuscaloosa. I know Christian probably does, too. But what are you hearing about the quarterback battle on on campus, the Capstone? I mean, I just think for right now, it's going to be next to the vest because they don't have to really tell us much. I mean, they, they don't have to make any decisions for a long time. You know, it almost kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of AJ McCarron's year, you know, what, what was it, the Penn State game, 2011, that he was like the quarterback. You know, we didn't know. Um, and so I think it's the same thing. I mean, they're going to let these guys play it out. They, they could have both guys play on the same team in the, in the A-Day game. They might not go head to head. You remember that A-Day game? It was like, what was it, Blake Sims and AJ? They're like, like on the same team. You know, so um, I, I I think that they're going to let this thing play out. We're going to hear and see both of these guys do their thing when we're allowed in there. And uh, we know Ty Simpson can throw the football. And we know Jalen Milrow can run the ball. Uh, but he, he can also throw it. But how accurate can he be consistently, I guess, is the question. Um, and we're kind of getting to that point where, we're all going into this 8 day game looking forward to just getting our eyes on these two guys and what they're going to be able to do. But I, I, I really think that we'll see both of these guys play with the, the, the ones. I think we will. I think they'll both play with the ones and, and be able to lead the guys that are going to start. Well, um, let me follow up with uh, other portions uh, of the practices here. Where um, where do you think Nick Saban's focus is? I mean, my immediate answer would be secondary because there's going to be some changes back there for sure. Yeah, look, I, I think there's this is this team has so many different uh, moving parts to it because there's so much that they're going to have to replace. It's going to be a a super young team. You know, we talked about the quarterback and we've talked about the running back spot. And when we know that, um, you know, that we have a lot of guys coming back, but we also have some superstars that are coming in and, uh, and you wonder, you know, are those guys going to be able to, to force themselves on the field? And, uh, and you're right. I mean, Nick Saban coaches the secondary. So, I mean, he's going to be back there and trying to figure that out as well. Um, you know, uh, who's going to be the guy that you're going to go into this after this whole practice, Justice Haynes? I mean, you know, he's someone that I'm guessing that we're going to be like, wow, we're excited to finally get to see this guy out on the football field. But I agree with you. I, I think that – I think defensive line's a big, a big area for Alabama that they're going to have to focus on. Obviously, with – the linebackers leaving. There's some guys that are going to have to come in and step up into that that spot. And then the secondary has some good pieces and guys who have been there, but then other guys that are going to have to step up and 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 be ready to go. And so, on top of that, we're going to have to figure out by the time that Texas game rolls around, and maybe even before that, right? Uh, the ones and the twos. You know, who are the guy? Who are going to be the guys? And sometimes that really doesn't even uh, pan out until you play a couple. 
Mick, uh, aside from the quarterbacks, is there a single player that you're most excited to see uh, in the spring game? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm always looking at that defensive line. I, I, I really want to see the running back spot. I talked about Ames. I, I want to see him play. Um, Malik Benson. I, I guess if you're, you're asking me who the main guy is, if, I, if you said, hey, you can see one guy. Because he, I think Benson's the guy who is the most important guy. Because if he's going to be that next wide receiver that you, that comes out of Alabama and is an elite, then that's going to, that means that this team's going to have a good season. It's because somebody's got to be, to do that. And I'm hearing that, that this guy's the guy. You talk about the things that are coming out of practice. This, this guy can really play and he can yeah. catch and he can run. And I've heard that multiple times. So I'm guessing that for me, I'd love to hear what you guys think, but I'm saying for me, I'd say he's probably the guy that I'm most excited about seeing. Well, I was actually going to ask you your thoughts on him because um, not only is he making a lot of waves right now during spring, but Coach Saban spoke very highly of him, and he uh, sounds very optimistic about him and his ability to help contribute um, in this upcoming season because I think it is uh, pivotal you know, to, to get a guy that, that can stretch the field, kind of give you that deep threat, um, that, that true number one receiver that you can rely on, uh, to get open, you know, to give you those options, you know, when, when things aren't looking too well and he just finds a way to always, uh, get separation or get open and really stretch the field. I, I think that's, uh, crucial that, that we, uh, we, we have that option moving forward. So I was actually going to ask you about him, but, um, another guy who, uh, on the other side of the ball is James Smith. Um, you were mentioning the defensive line, um, kid out of Carver. Uh, high school. A lot of people are talking about him, and and, and I think he's definitely a guy uh, to watch out for that can have that early impact, especially amongst the defensive line. I think that's exactly kind of what they need, a real uh, disruptive force up front to kind of help set the tone. Um, with that being said, I, I know you probably don't care too much for Auburn, but uh, Matt mentioned they had their A-Day game. Did you get a chance to watch that by chance? I, I didn't catch any of it. I did hear that the weather was bad, and I felt sorry for him. Yeah. There you go. I was going to say, I, I, what I was going to ask Love was... the sincerity in your voice, Mitch. Yeah, yeah. really. <laughs> hey, look, look, I'm Christian. I'm just kidding, man. Look, I, I really think, and I, I know you guys are going to hate me saying this, but I think Auburn's moving in the right direction. I think Hugh Freeze is a good coach. Um, I, I, I saw the press conference afterwards where Freeze is, like, leaving the door open for the transfer portal. And that tells, he's telling every quarterback that's out there right now, if you're not happy with what you're doing and you need a place to play, we're looking. And I, I, I've got a feeling that Auburn's going to end up finding somebody. Somebody, there's somebody out there that saw that and is going to want to come to the SEC and play for him. Who wouldn't want to come play in the SEC and distinguish yourself among the best in all of college football? Um, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. So I think Auburn's going to get one, and I think it's going to end up starting because I don't think uh, – now, you're right. The weather caused a lot of problems. Uh, that's why they threw 12 passes, and although they still ended up in a 24-24 tie. So I did hear, and I didn't see this, but I did hear that T.J. Finley dropped back to pass, and you know – Hugh stands right behind the play just like Nick Saban does. And, like, literally a yard or two away from Hugh Freeze, he threw into triple coverage. And I don't think that was very well received. 
I expect him to be in the transfer portal himself here before too terribly long. Yeah, look, he had a chance. They didn't really – you saw him last year. You know, uh, Brian Harson really didn't leave them with a lot of talent in spots. And we knew it in recruiting. You know, I mean, I cover recruiting. You know, when you're not recruiting in this conference in the top 15 in the country, you don't have a chance. You know, and I remember seeing Auburn, and they were way back there. And I thought, wow, this is – actually going to be good for Alabama because, you know, they're, they're not going to have the, the type of players it takes to compete. Uh, and, and that's exactly what happened. But, you know, it, that's why you go out and make a change. And, um, you know, and I, 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 I could see big changes coming further with the transfer portal. That's where college football is different now. You know, you would – when Nick Saban took over to Alabama, I mean, you know, you, you're taking a lot of these guys that were already on the roster and you're trying to see – into what you want to do and how you want to do it, you know, who's going to put the work in. And and then, uh, you know, some of them, even though you know they're not going to do it, you just have to wait it out. You know, now, I mean, it, you can totally flip the roster. I mean, and that's what we saw, you know, uh, Coach Prime do in Colorado, who's probably got the most exciting program in sports right now, to be honest with you. Um, they sold out their, their game. Um, and, and he came in and just told everybody to transfer. <laughs> you, know, so you can go replace the whole roster. And I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying that, you know, I get it because that's how you can do this. Always great stuff. Mick, get back to the beach or the bay or wherever you're headed today. And we'll talk with you again next week. Have a wonderful week. Hey, good talking to you guys. Real time. Hey, before you go, tell everybody where they can follow Mick. Yeah, catch me on Twitter, at MickTheBroadcaster, uh, MickTheBroadcaster.com, all over the place. So uh, we'll talk about the football show next time. But uh, a lot of good stuff going on, guys. Roll Tide. Indeed. Thanks, Mick. When we get back, we're going to wrap things up. How about Gronkowski? What's he doing these days? It surprised me. Probably surprised you, too. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Chris. Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center. 
or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOM, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part? It's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high at 70. Clear and very cool tonight below 43. For tomorrow and Wednesday, the warming trend continues. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 74. The high Wednesday at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Coming up, Coming up on the game with Ryan Fowler. Recapping Alabama's first scrimmage with Martin Houston, Barrett Salee, and your phone calls. Nick Saban audio all starting at 2 o'clock here on the game on Tide 100.9. The home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Longest running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. On Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, wrapping up the show with a little news from Gronk. Boy, he's uh, he's everywhere these days. He's not as seen as much as Charles Barkley, but uh, he's doing a lot of commercials now. And he was recently asked, "Are you going to unretire again?" And he said, "Absolutely not. I'm playing a lot of pickleball." Lars, you play pickleball. Christian, I don't, you play but I want to start. Yeah, me too. I know. I know. I think Christian plays pickleball, and I, I want to start playing with Christian. Oh well, well, well. I have yet to to start. I I, I see a lot of people playing it. I myself also want to get into it. I will say, if I do, though, I'll make sure to wear my good feet art supports because I'm sure with me getting up there in age, you know, I'm probably going to deal with some pain, probably some foot pain or some knee pain, maybe some back pain, but. If anybody out there is living with that pain, I found a new way to eliminate and alleviate that pain, and that's with Good Feet Art Supports. I use them for all situations and circumstances. It's remarkable the difference they make in such a short period of time. If you've never experienced them, I highly recommend you give them a shot. It's try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. If you like them, you can walk out with them that very same day. So stop in your local Good Feet store today in Tuscaloosa, that's Midtown Village, or visit them online and make an appointment at goodfeet.com. Good feet. That's improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time. But yeah, maybe we should try some pickleball, guys. I don't know. 
It does we sound fun. A lot of people pursue. play it now. We definitely should. Um, I love tennis. Big tennis player. Played in high school. Uh, uh, brag alert here. We, I was on a team that won state championship in, in really? Nebraska. I know oh, it's wow. just, a, I know it's only Nebraska. I get it. Uh, but, um, Do you have a ring? I got, so, a- I got so burned out on tennis after that. I, I played every day from the age of like eight to 18. Whoa. And then I, I, did, I dropped my racket after my senior year of high school, and I, I've picked it up a few times since. But uh, I think pickleball would be a heck of a lot of fun. Did you get a ring for winning that state championship, Lars? I did. Nice. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. You, you got to find that, man. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's big time. I, I Man, I, shoot, I feel like winning a state championship in high school is cool. I mean, obviously, you, you know, winning in college or, you know, a Super Bowl is you know, really cool, but I don't know why I feel like I really wish I would have won a state championship in high school. Like I, I that's something I think about. I'm like, dang, I wish I won a state championship <laughs> in high come, school. Did you come close? So we 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 went from like one of the worst programs. Like my freshman year, my school had won like two football games in two years. Like I'm not even kidding. And then uh, we slowly improved. Uh, my junior year, we won about seven or eight games. And then my senior year, we went undefeated. And we made it into like, the, I think we lost like uh, the semifinals or something. I can't remember. And we lost at the, like the last play, our running back slipped on a two-point conversion. And uh other team ended up kicking a field goal. They won the game. They went on to win the, the state championship. But they also went on to basically win like three out of the next five. I'm just making that number up. But they, they end up going on a big run. They're kind of like the dynasty now. It's called Dutch Fork High School. It's actually the high school that uh, Jalen Hyatt, the receiver from Tennessee, that's where he yeah. went to high school at. But, uh, yeah, Lars, so, yeah, that my senior year, we somewhat came close. We, we we really thought we were going to win it all. I mean, it, we were, again, I mean, we, we, we went undefeated in the regular season. And, uh, man, like, we, we used to run a wing T offense. It was so you were untraditional. A player, weren't you, Christian? Yeah, well, my senior year, yeah, I played tight end, but it was only for the the tight end formations. We, we called it two formation. It was it was dot person. It was basically uh, twelve personnel, and we'd always just run dot, which is you know two tight ends on the ball. And so that's when I'd go in. They'd always say two formation, two formation. I'd run on the field, but um, yeah, man, we we ran this wing T offense, and uh, cool, yeah, like the wishbone wing T, and. and it gave so many people fits because our, our, we had some really good running backs and our quarterback was like a high school Lamar Jackson, <laughs> at least back yeah. in the day. That's what it seemed like. But, I mean, he he was so talented. But anyway, man, we, we finally just had the right pieces. Our coach was an old school. His name was Miles Aldridge. He, uh, he coached um, at the college level and he also coached in the NFL, I believe. He, he recruited my dad out of high school. But I'm talking about an old school you know, get in your face, grab your face mask type of coach. And he really turned that program around. We thought that was our year, but unfortunately, the Dutch Fork Silver Foxes stole the show and uh, ended our ended our season and my high school career. But yeah, um, you know, I wanted I wanted real quick, Matt, to uh, be Lincoln's uh, like head coach for his flag football team. And instead of like all the coaches right now, they're just throwing the ball around. I want to run the wishbone and do, you know, just <laughs> yeah. confusion, right? Deception. And uh, the one time I covered the Pop Warner National Championships in Orlando, Florida, right? It was like uh, 10-year-old, 9, 10-year-old kids. The team that won it 
Pop Warner would have been smiling because they ran the wing tee. And it was just, it was all deception and motion. And, oh, yeah. and like you said, Christian, they had this quarterback, this little kid who was just a magician with faking and twirling and, and handing the ball off and oh, yeah. uh, pitching. It, it, it's just, uh, it's hard for the, uh, little kids to follow the ball. And two, they never see it. And so, I, I'm anyway. Might be I'm tough to get them to execute. I'm not going to lie, Lars. It's, it's, it's <laughs> to have young kids, I'm, imagine them try to make accurate pitches and stuff. I could see it almost being a disaster <laughs> if, if they just pitch the ball and then, you know, scoop and score for easy touchdown. But you got to have the right quarterback. Yeah. If you, if you had the right kids, Lars, and, and they really, you know, got the hang of it, I could see that having some success. Maybe you should try it. All good stuff. We have pickleball practice Wednesday evening at 6. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. You know, one thing I've noticed is uh, that sport can be played by kids and, oct- what's the word, octogenarians? Because um, you they, see all shapes and sizes. Do they have pickleball courts in your neighborhood, Christian? Um, no, but maybe that's something I could uh, I could try to get Bills them to on. do. Yeah. If you build it, they will come. Um, uh, by the way, Lars, did you get to go to the White House when you won the state championship? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> that was back in the Johnson administration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, you can practice tennis anywhere in Nebraska because it's so flat. Talk to you tomorrow. From our home base, right?